Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Fiji finished bottom at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. Tonga's Olympic Committee waits to hear from the IOC and Fiji's Olympic footballers are Brazil-bound. But first, Solomon Islands defended their Oceania futsal title in emphatic style to qualify for a third straight World Cup. The Kurukuru went undefeated in Suva and have now won five straight regional titles. The deputy CEO of the Solomon Islands Football Federation, Joseph Bosso, admitted there had been doubts surrounding their chances due to a lack of preparation, but says big match experience proved to be the difference. It's something that we've had on the cards for a while and we've tried to put together a plan and um, the resources to achieve the win. And it's happened for us, so we are very, very happy to once again represent Oceania at the FIFA Futsal World Cup. And it's not only about the qualifying, that's one part of the story. I think the other part is to get to the World Cup and try to go beyond where we were at the last one. The Kurukuru have been so dominant for so long, but a lot of people had doubts about the team going into this year's event because they've barely played an international match for the last couple of years and they struggled at the last two Oceania Invitational tournaments. Um, ultimately, in the end, the experience and the, the players that have done the job for you for so long came through against New Zealand, it was crucial that the players remain calm and calculating throughout the match. Uh, I think if New Zealand had that uh, a World Cup experience, I think it would be, it would be um, much, much tighter affair or a different story. But with the benefit of two World Cups on the backs of the players, uh, they had the experience to um, get the job done. But uh, yes, there's been doubt locally as well. Uh, we've been dealing a lot of uh, criticism about the way futsal's going in Solomon Islands. But I think We've found a new foundation to rebuild the game. I think it's always there, but the focus has been um, a little bit off. We've struggled for a number of years, even with the federation itself undergoing a lot of uh, changes in administration, and that's uh, affected the game across the board with beat soccer, futsal, and also the 11-a-side discipline. When we put together a plan last year to make sure that we qualified, uh, at least to put together an effort to qualify, um, the benefit we had was the experience of the players from two World Cups, and that gave us the edge in this um, competition. Likewise, New Zealand has um, the benefit of playing in a number of uh, football World Cups, so they always you have that advantage of playing those huge, huge matches that help you when you play um, competitive and really, really tight matches, such as the one played between New Zealand and, uh, and the Kurukuru in the qualifiers. So I think what this win will mean is that there will be a renewed focus for the development of futsal in Solomons and we need to move forward with the programs, especially till we are without an international um, standard futsal pitch in the country. That's even after two World Cups and qualifying for third and then after fifth uh, Oceania titles. We are now working very hard with FIFA and the Oceania Football Confederation to make sure that we have a futsal pitch that the boys could use to train and prepare for such competitions in the future. But I think this renewed focus and momentum will make sure that we will put together plans that will help us to remain competitive for many more years to come. So it's seven months until the next World Cup in Colombia. Four years ago, 
Solomon Islands had a historic victory over Guatemala in the group stages. How confident are you that the team's going to get adequate preparation for this World Cup? Is there plans in place to go on a tour or get some matches in and, and actually get a substantial preparation? Now it's very clear what needs to be done with the experience of the last World Cup. There was a, a training program that came in before the tour, but um, that was not supported very well. But now this is a stronger administration with a new president and a new executive that's determined to get results. And I think there will be a stronger backing for the team. And already there's a talk about um, sorting out a training program that will help us to uh, go beyond where we were at the last World Cup. Is there the financial resources required to ensure that your preparation is as good as it can be? That's a very important question because um, you have to match uh, the financial resources with uh, with whatever um, objectives you want to achieve. And often that is a limitation for us smaller countries in the region, and especially in some islands it's very, very difficult to raise funds to um, to achieve the goals that you want to in sports. I think we have the, the right people in the administration at the moment. This team already has a lot of support with the corporate sector um, over the years. They have built a good rapport with local companies, and we've seen a lot of support from the government as well. And I think we will be able to get the resources needed to give this team the right preparation that it needs to, to achieve the results that not only Solomon Islands wants, but what Oceania wants to achieve in the Futsal World Cup, like Tahiti is doing so well in the Pizzoga World Cup. And I think that should be something that we should also be able to replicate. So you think the Kuru Kuru could do better this time than they did four years ago? Yes, I, I really believe that with the right resources and, and the right plan behind them, we will be able to achieve more and do better than we did the last time. Joseph Bosso. And following the team's arrival back home, the Solomon Islands government pledged to build a proper facility for futsal development in the country. Despite failing to win a game, Fiji cricket coach Shane Jurgensen says there were some encouraging individual performances at the Under-19 World Cup, which bodes well for the future. Fiji finished in last place in their debut appearance after losing all six matches in Bangladesh. Shane Jurgensen says the World Cup was a big learning curve. You can plan as much as you want, and then once you turn up to the tournament, you just never know what you're going to get with the quality of the opposition and not too sure about how they're going to be. So we look back on our group. We thought we could target maybe Zimbabwe and, and maybe West Indies, who eventually won the tournament. So that gives you an idea of how far, <laughs> you know, American, how far we're off and also how competitive that group was in the end with England, a high-quality team, well-skilled, got a support staff with them. West Indies are very talented. Uh, they were quite an older group, a lot of boys that were 19, big and strong, big fast bowlers, had some key players uh, at the top of the order and also had a big fast bowler who probably should be playing for the West Indies first team, bowling 145 every now and then. So they were a very good team and that's probably why they won it. And then uh, Zimbabwe pulled off an amazing victory against South Africa. So I suppose our groups, teams that we played against, although we lined up maybe win, they were actually probably some of the strongest teams that, that were there. We certainly improved throughout, but we unfortunately missed out on the win, but lots to think about for the future. What are the long-term benefits for some of these players? Because this would have been the biggest standard, the biggest event that they've all played in in their, in their careers and their lives uh, you know, on a global stage like this. Uh, what, you know, what can they take out of it? Firstly, the players can take a lot out of it. I think it's certainly one of the things that I've been trying to push across to a lot of players, particularly the overseas-based players. And now this tournament was very important because all of a sudden our home, our uh, Fijian-based players, they got a real wake-up call, I suppose, in terms of the intensity and the preparation that's required in all departments for international cricket. It doesn't matter 
whether you're playing for a team in Division 6 or you're with an Australian team or a New Zealand team as a full member nation, it's international cricket is just something of another level and in terms of the mental strength that's required, uh, the preparation, the pressure, uh, that's very evident. And I think that's sort of where we certainly failed in, in that area was just being match-hardened, match-experienced, uh, but the players would be so much better for it as long as they learn from it and uh, take it in the future. And a lot of these players will be featuring the senior men's team over the next three years. So it's a really big stepping stone for those guys. Definitely a lot more long-term development at this tournament as opposed to any particular success. To come up against uh, countries that you wouldn't normally get the chance to play against to experience conditions in Bangladesh, which are challenging for the... Uh, at the best of times for the best of teams uh, and, and quite unique as well. So a whole bunch of new experiences. Oh, exactly. And, and you know, there were some very good players at this tournament. I mean, if you look at the teams that were in our sort of the bottom half of the draw, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, who both lost to Zimbabwe, snuck up and beat South Africa. Afghanistan beat Zimbabwe to come ninth. I mean, there were some amazing cricket teams throughout this tournament. It was very competitive. A lot, a lot, of, lot more closer uh, sort of games overall, uh, and I suppose for us, yeah, it was, we, we came across some tough opposition. We were very fortunate. It was great to have uh, some guys really stand out. Uh, Penny Bolivar scored 160 runs in six games and averaged nearly 30, I think, and so he was a standout with the bat. Takasaka, he was at one stage a leading wicket taker, joint leading wicket taker for quite a few games, and then just got overtaken in the last game. Josiah was excellent as well. So we had a few players, and these are sort of the guys that we certainly stepping up in the senior men's team in years to come. So uh, it was just great to see. Unfortunately, as I said, uh, we missed out on team success, but individual success was great to see because in the end, these guys will be stepping up the senior men's team and we'll need them to. And uh, when would that likely be? What sort of next on the horizon, be it for the under-19s, be it for the senior men's side? Well, I think the immediate future is at the next under-19 tournament, actually. At this stage, there's no, nothing in the, in the long-term or, or short-term for the senior men's squad. So our next step is the under-17s, which is a, a training squad, which will then become the age group for the next under-19 qualifiers for the World Cup 2018 in uh, New Zealand. Those qualifiers will take place approximately a year out. So that'll be in January, February next year. So I suppose we want to give those guys the best preparation and best chance to again qualify, to build on what we've done here because there'll be up to maybe five players available for the next World Cup that are in this squad, which is very good for that team's preparation, that squad, and that bit of experience that we've had. The other thing up that could be happening is the senior men's will have a development tour of some description. We've had offers from uh, New Zealand uh, Maori and maybe some uh, uh, Indigenous team maybe in Australia to maybe do a tri-series, whether that takes place in Fiji or Australia or wherever the location might be. So there's an opportunity for maybe that later in the year, but I suppose for now we really need to evaluate a lot of the departments, particularly in high performance and probably everywhere in cricket Fiji and just sort of look upon this experience. And probably their biggest area of concern for me is our lack of um, tough and match experience, what to do in certain situations. And that really did uh, stand out every game. We're all right at the start, not too bad at the end, but when a team started to get on top of us, we didn't really quite have the answers for those. And that was just purely lack of experience and not really understanding that game awareness. So I think from club cricket all the way through to the senior men, senior women's, we need to look at 
way to have longer version crickets. You know, when the game changes, the ebbs and flows, uh, we need to create a an environment where people learn on how to get over those situations. And we've got, as I said, we've got a good opportunity now to evaluate everything and go, okay, this is what we need to do in these areas. And um, and also the funding around it, how do we get that funding and go from there. That's Fiji cricket coach Shane Jurgensen. Tonga's Olympic Committee is waiting for confirmation from the IOC whether changes made to its constitution have been approved. Funding from the IOC has been suspended since the middle of last year and won't be restarted until the draft constitution is given the seal of approval from head office in Switzerland. Tassinok submitted their updated documents in time for Monday's deadline, but the IOC is still going through the paperwork. The president of the Oceania National Olympic Committee, Robin Mitchell, visited Tonga earlier this month to assist Tassinok. Basically, a follow-up to uh, a letter that the IOC and ONOC had written to Tonga, the need for them to complete some Olympic solidarity course reports. This particular course is given out by the IOC in Switzerland. They call World Programs. Tonga's constitution is also quite out of date, and they needed to be updated. Just a follow-up of requirements that they needed to fulfil to resume funding from ONOC IOC. Has the funding resumed yet from ONOC, I guess, through yeah, IOC? The, after our first visit, we started sending through some money from our Guam office, and then next week we're sending money. The money that we're sending to Tonga is continental funds that are managed by the ONOC office. Funding from the IOC hasn't been resumed until the draft of the constitution gets to the IOC. How long has funding been withheld? I think it's been since middle of last year from the world program side, but after the 2015 funds were used up, we've just waited for them to, there's some uh, requirements for them to start reading, uh, getting funds in 2016, and this applies to everybody. Uh, they've got to provide audited accounts for 2014, provide an annual report, etc. So January, mid-February is the usual time for all Olympic committees to provide funding to receive money for the current year. Are they the only country in the Pacific that wasn't able to provide those reports or have other countries had the same issue? Tonga, particularly the world reports, for some of our countries, they haven't fulfilled the uh, continental reports. But the process generally is you don't get any money until you submit all the reports. For the ignorant people like myself, Robin, what, what is a world report and what is a continental report? The IOC gives funding every year to the five continents and then we run the main programs for each each country. Each country gets a certain amount of money to run their coaching and administration workshops. Uh, if they are there's also 12 programs offered by the IOC from Switzerland, and that includes things like sports and the environment, sports medicine, women in sports program. If they apply for those funding, which is in addition to what we provide, then they have to report that directly to the IOC. So the red flags come up uh, in Tonga's instance because one of the programs they hadn't reported on was as far back as 2012. Is this part of the reason that TASA has had issues in paying its basic bills because some of this funding has been withdrawn or withheld? Yes. Late last year, because of the expenses for the South Pacific Games, they weren't able to pay for the normal office costs, utilities, etc. About two weeks ago, that came on again pretty quickly. If Tonga wasn't able to meet their requirements by the 15th of February, what does that mean? Does that mean they wouldn't be able to receive funding to send certain athletes to Rio? Is that what would happen? With any country that's uh, suspended, and Tonga, with what's going on now, they're probably off that list. The deadline of mid-February was basically that if the issues hadn't been resolved, then the paperwork for the IOC executive board, which is in March, uh, would be processed. Eh? 
I think we've got all of the paperwork that we need so that basically now it's working closely with Tonga to help develop their federations, those that need assistance to get their athletes up and running. If Tonga was to be suspended, and I assume you mean from the IOC, right? Um, yeah. if that was the case, they would, they if, would, would they be able to yeah. still send athletes to Rio or not? Yes, they would be. What happens is uh, they march under the Olympic flag instead of the Tongan flag. That's the president of the Oceania National Olympic Committee, Robin Mitchell. Fiji Football says the upcoming tour of Brazil is a perfect dress rehearsal for their Olympic debut in Rio de Janeiro. The under-23 squad recently returned home from a tour of Spain. The Fiji Football Association Vice President and National Team Director, Taranesh Reddy, says it was a valuable learning experience which exposed Fiji's players to a higher level of football. We haven't done this before. The whole idea is to get used to the upper level of football and to expose our players at that level. By doing this uh, two weeks tour, playing six matches, we have learned a lot of things. Like, you know, in Spain, football is everything to them. Our team playing top clubs in there, and we have uh, gained a lot of experience, and we have learned a lot. And uh, we are in the process of getting some more tours done so we can expose our players before the Rio Olympics in uh, August. Yeah, and I guess uh, one of the key uh, aspects of the Olympic football tournament and, and what this tour would have helped to try and uh, decipher amongst coaching staff is the fact that you can, of course, include three overage players over the age of 23. Obviously, everyone assumes Roy Krishna will be one of those. So for the other guys, it was a big chance to see who can fit those spots. Yeah, yeah, definitely Roy will be one of them. And uh, we, we took uh, five senior players with us to, to Spain and the coaches had, uh, had a pool of players to look into. So it was a bit hard for them to decide which, which three players will come in, but definitely Roy will come in. So the options are still open that um, who will be making it in. We are going for the Brazil tour in April and we will be taking some senior players with us so the coaches can have a look at it and then the final decision will be made after the Brazil tour in uh, early May. And uh, in terms of the Brazil tour, uh, who, who pays for that? Is that all Fiji football or have you got sponsors or is it to do with the Olympics? The government of the day has located uh, some funds for us to prepare the team for the Rio Olympics and uh, they have announced it in the last budget, national budget, and we they have, they have given us some funding and uh, we are working out some funds from our own Fiji football uh, kitty and uh, basically it's, it's been, uh, we got some sponsors, we got some money from the government of the day and uh, after, and again from PGFA. And how often are these under-23 players of the squad, how often are they able to train together at the moment as they continue their build-up? We have decided, we have planned our camps. We will be having two weeks of camp and one week of break. So it's going to continue until uh, August, two weeks of training, one week of break until it comes to August uh, for the Euros. In Spain, you played a number of, I guess, uh, second or third division uh, in youth uh, La Liga sides. Uh, what, what sort of teams are you going to come up against in Brazil and, and how long does that tour go for? Yeah, the, the Brazil tour is going to start on the 25th of April and it's going to end up on uh, 7th of uh, May, basically for 12 days. Uh, we are playing four matches in Brazil in that span of uh, 10 or 12 days. The matches are confirmed, but we are just have to finalise which teams we are playing. But definitely we are playing quality teams and it's going to be a good exposure for the boys playing at that level. By week's time, we should be able to finalise uh, which teams we are playing. But definitely we are playing four matches. And I suppose not only is it valuable to have the team touring and getting used to that as they did in Spain, uh, not only is it good to come up against quality opposition like you will inevitably in Brazil and a different style, um, but also, of course, as the host of the Olympics, uh, it's a great trial run as well to, to be in that country. So uh, I guess it's a, a, a positive on so many levels. That's the reason we are going to Rio. At least we want to expose our boys to Brazil. 
And uh, when we go there in August, at least they, they, they know the place and uh, they know what to be done. We understand the level of football played in, in Europe and in, in Brazil is going to be totally different as we play in Dushinia. But there's nothing stopping us from taking a team down there and getting our players exposed because end of the day, uh, by playing in there, we will we learn a lot of things like we we learned in Spain and uh, and again get, getting the boys into into Brazil for another 10 12 days and playing four matches so we'll be end up playing 10 to 12 international matches and which is going to help a lot to the team and then the other thing is more than 50% of the squad in this olympic team are our players which played in the last under 20 world cup in new zealand so those players have been exposed 50% of the squad like i've said is is the olympic squad is is the under 20 squad which played in the world cup last year so it's a great learning experience for them that's Taranesh Reddy from the Fiji Football Association. And that is the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.